Hey guys, my name is Tara. And my name is Jessica. And together we co-host the podcast, Three Spooked Girls. If you love the paranormal. Or murder. Join us every Monday as we tell our listeners about a new spooky tale or true crime case. We'll have a special drink recipe each episode picked out by me for you to enjoy while we scare the hell out of you. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Podbean, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever the hell else you listen to podcasts. Come hang out with us and get your spooky on. Hello. We in this. We out here. Hello. Hello. This is Crime Culture. This is. And that is Haley. And that's Caitlin. Oh, it is. Hello. Yeah. How you doing this week? I'm doing, I'm doing pretty okay. I'm doing pretty good. How about you? All right. Uh, A tree fell on my building on Friday. Yes. Oh my God. (laughs) That's, I don't even know why I asked that. You're, yep, that did happen. That indeed yeah. happened. It sounds scarier than it is. Like there, uh, maybe I'll post it a picture of it. It's, scarier it's still, than it is. It's still oh sitting on the building. <laughs> so oh maybe God. I'll go outside and take a picture of it. But like, uh, yeah, like seven o'clock in the morning on Friday, like a big, like a huge branch of a tree fell like right outside our window. Like two pieces of the branch hit on both sides of the window. <laughs> Haley, Haley was almost victim of the tree killer. Yeah, I I was asleep at that point. Well, I like my alarm had gone off, but I hadn't moved yet, and uh, I thought. Also, uh, you told me. Yeah. Okay. Go ahead. Yeah. yeah I thought I did not had want walked you into to... something or drop something, or um. Like, I can't we have, believe we you. We have like a a pull out couch that like pulls out into a bed. So um, I think like Elliot like pulled like sometimes he pulls out like the bottom part so that he can like prop up his foot to tie a shoe or something. So I thought he violently pushed it back <laughs> under the bed. And I was like, okay, unnecessary. <laughs> but I was still, like, too sleepy to, like, register what had happened. And then I walked outside and I was like, there's a fucking tree on my building. There, literally. <laughs> and it's not like it's not like some tiny little, like, Japanese maple. This is a fucking huge tree. This is a tree. giant oak tree. And the yes. huge branch came down. And if you look outside my bedroom window right now, it looks like you're in the trees but regardless yeah <laughs> um we're talking about still funny. A, it's still funny but that's still that's funny. what's going on in my life right now and it's a holiday weekend as we're recording this so nothing's yes. been done right, right. so there's right. that but no. um she's stuck yeah we getting into the episode we in here we out here we uh, in this it's a heavy hitter and we haven't covered a heavy hitter in a while no, we haven't. And this is also a lesser known heavy hitter, which I feel like yeah, should not be the case. Yeah, he kind of flies under the radar. He does, and he shouldn't. Well, he truly should not. I think it's also because he's not an American uh, heavy hitter. Yeah. That, yeah. Like, like, you hear about the Bundy, the Gacy, the Dahmer. Like, like, those are American serial killers that you're just like, yeah, everybody knows the names. But this one is, right. like, this, this is a rough one. Yeah, no. And we're recording absolutely. it on a beautiful sunny day here in northern New Jersey. Yeah, and a beautiful sunny day in California, which we don't get a lot of. No, no, hardly it's, ever happens. It's not like you get four hundred days of sunlight here. Four hundred days of summer. Sorry, Zoe Deschanel. Yes. 
coming to a theater near you. But right. yes, you want to jump we'll, on in it? We, yeah, we we'll bantered in. too much in the beginning. We did. We we're gonna get in trouble. Oh wait, um, I want to I want to do one more quick banter thing. One more banter. Okay. One more banter. Uh, but this is on topic of the podcast, yes. not of the actual episode. But if you don't follow our social media, um, you didn't see that we're doing a promo for the month of September. Yes, 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 the, yes. Yeah, this banter, is our banter, first, banter. Yes, this is our first September episode. And uh, if you leave us an iTunes or whatever it's called now, Apple Podcast review uh, for this whole month, we will send you a button. Well, it's like a pin, but it's like one of those like it's, it's a cute little pin. Yeah, it is it's a cute a little, little pin. So pin. see you next Tuesday, which is our like sign off, which I love. So which if I you love. yeah, if you leave us a review, you screenshot it and you send it to us, whether it's a DM on any of our social media or you can email crimeculturepod at gmail dot com. Uh, yep. With that screenshot and your address, so we know where I'm sending this to, and yep. um, we will send you a pin, and we will love you for it. Pin, 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 pin. It's got to be a five star review. Sorry, guys. Oh, that's a, that's a good. That's a good. <laughs> I didn't think that needed to be said, but you know what? That's a fair. Got to be a five star review. That's if you a send fair us point. a four star review, uh, you're gonna get oh, a thumbs I'm down. Like a one star response. review. I hate this <laughs> podcast. Now give me my pin. Yeah. So, uh, five-star review, screenshot, send it to us with your address, and I will send you a pin for free. Who so doesn't do love free? Yeah. All right. Now we're getting into the episode. And go. Yes. Now, now no more banter. We promise. Um, so, if you didn't read the title, you'd like to be surprised. Today, we are talking about Andre Chikatilo. Ooh. Yes. Who was born Andre Romanovich Chikatilo also. This takes place in the Soviet Union. There are going to be names that my my tongue is not well exercised enough. Even when I heard the pronunciations, it still it still was like my tongue can't move that way. Yeah. Spoiler alert. One of my next episodes takes place in um, a land that is foreign to me. And there are names that I have heard the pronunciation about 20 times already. And I'm still like writing it out phonetically to try to get it right so you're not we alone try in super this. hard yes we try super hard and you know what at least we're not pretending like we know that we're right we know we're not right very yeah. and, rarely are we right and we're trying to do more international cases oh yeah. yeah yeah because i mean like it's not all about america no as we'll get into in a minute with andre chikatilo Go for it. So he was born on October 16th, 1936 to Roman and Anna Chikatilo. Um, and they were poor farm laborers in Yabloknoye. Yes. Yabloknoye, um, which is a village in the Ukraine state of the USSR. And at the time of Chikatilo's birth, the effects of a famine caused by dictator Joseph Stalin's policies on agricultural collectivism was still going on. It was like towards the like the end of it, but it was still it was still in full swing. Yeah. Um, and so his family, given that they were farm laborers, they were massively affected. Um, they were living in a one room hut, like a tiny little ass hut. Yeah. And because his parents were unpaid laborers, they didn't get money. They just got the right to grow crops in a plot of land behind their hut. But because of the famine and because they were unpaid, they couldn't grow food. They couldn't buy food. So they rarely had any food. 
Hmm. Um, Chikatilo later claimed that he didn't eat bread until he was 12. Um, and he added that his family and he often had to eat grass and leaves when they were hungry. Jeez. Yeah. So throughout his childhood, he was repeatedly told by his mom that before he was born, an older brother of his named Stefan or Stephen or Stepan, multiple spellings from multiple sources, which we love. We love some inconsistencies. Oh, yeah. Um, and there will be a few. He had been kidnapped at the age of four and was cannibalized by their starving <gasps> neighbors. Oh, my God. Now, yeah, like, granted, no one knows if this was ever proven to be true. There's no record of whether or not this kid even existed. But, like, still, that's pretty fucked up. And that's not something you tell a child. Yeah, right? Like, that, that like there's one thing to be like, oh, like, Krampus is coming. This is worse. This is yeah. infinitely worse. It's like, your brother was taken and eaten. Yeah. You could next, be next. Buddy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> clean, your, clean your small one-room hut or you'll be next. Yeah. Um... So then the situation was already really bad, but then it was made worse when the USSR entered into World War II against Germany. And his dad was drafted into the war in 1941. So it was just him and his mom. And his dad was eventually captured and held prisoner for the majority of the war. Yeah. Um, They wounded him, they grabbed him, and then they kept him. So between 1941 and 1944, while his dad was serving on the front lines, Chikatilo witnessed some of the effects of the Nazi occupation of Ukraine, which he described as, quote, horrors. Yeah. Um, allegedly, he witnessed fires, shootings, bombings, um, and his mom and he would often have to hide in cellars and ditches and like basements and stuff like that. And at one point during the war, they actually had to watch their hut get burnt to the ground by the Nazis. Yeah, so he's seen the worst of humanity uh, very, very young. Oh, you want? it's funny you mentioned that, because you want to hear seeing the worst of humanity? Oh, no. So in 1943, Chikatilo's mom gave birth to his sister Tatiana. Mm-hmm. Which is fine. Good for him. He's got a little sister. Except there's a key thing missing. The war went on like Ukraine fought from 41 to 44. Mm-hmm. His dad was being held prisoner. Uh, his mom gave birth in 43. Uh, so clearly his dad wasn't the father. And it's speculated that Tatiana was actually conceived as a result of a rape by a German soldier. Because that's often what happened to Ukrainian women yeah. during the war. Yeah. That's and, fucking terrible. Oh, you want to hear fucking terrible? Oh, it just keeps getting worse. <laughs> yep, Pile but it on. But wait, there's more. Um, because remember, they lived in a one-room hut. So Chikatilo probably maybe saw the yeah. rape committed Yeah. as a small child. That's uh, super fucked up. That's something that could fuck up a kid and make them yeah. do terrible things. Yeah. That's that's definitely something that could happen. I mean, it doesn't give you the right to do no, the terrible things that no, he's no, going to no, end no, up no. doing, but but it's like with like a head a injury type of thing. Like it it, ex- it explains yeah, there's a, a little bit of there. why. Yeah, it explains a little bit of why. So then his dad finally came home from the war, and instead of being treated like a war hero like we do here, um, he was ridiculed and harassed and ostracized 
by his fellow Ukrainians because he allowed himself to be captured. And they saw him as a traitor because he let himself get captured. Yeah, sure. I'm sure that that was his fucking goal. Because yeah. being captured doesn't mean you just get to sit it out. You're I know! being fucking tortured. But, like, look at how we revered, or rever, I guess, still, John McCain, who Revere? was also a POW. Revere? I thought that was, like, Paul Revere? No. Fuck me. Whatever. <laughs> look at how much we fucking respected him, then. Elliot, cut that out. Don't make me sound stupider than I am. Nope. Stay um, in. Is it stupider, or is it... God, fuck me. <laughs> More um, stupid. <laughs> I hate myself. No one needs to do it for me. I hate myself all on my own. So, but, like, look at how we how we respect and honor yes yeah and honor our vets and our pow's and everything and we we're actually we depending like we're not even all that great to them unless they're like a massive politician and presidential candidate but like but there's also like severe uh uh deficiencies in the um healthcare system and everything for yes. uh veterans for like, vets we, and, we don't and jobs we don't, yes we don't respect them as much as anybody should but we are better than what happened to what, Andre what's going dad. on to yeah what's going on to fucking yeah. mr chickatillo over here so because of his dad's reputation for being a so-called coward and because of him being poor and having shitty homemade clothes and having a distended abdomen from being hungry all the fucking time because yeah. shocker leaves and grass don't provide much sustenance no chickatillo was bullied a lot as a kid which doesn't come as a surprise given these factors that just so, adds one more layer on top of the angry fire literally that is within him like he knew nothing but like deprivation and hardship and, and unkindness yeah and hatred from an early age and that's just from like his like the environment he grew up in and school and with food and like his yeah. his country and everything and that's just like that's just part of it because then what what do you think like oh well the kids are shitty but like maybe at least i can go home and while his dad was allegedly a super nice man, uh-huh. despite being treated like shit for being a POW, yeah, um, his mom was not. Great. Um, so Chikatilo is believed to have suffered from hydrocephalus, which is when there's water in the brain uh-huh. when you're born. Okay. Um, and that is believed to have caused the genital and urinary tract problems he had growing up and then later in life which we'll get into um but as a kid this included chronic bedwetting which lasted well into his like late adolescence and his mom would beat him for it yeah that's that's not going to stop that type of behavior it actually might make it more prevalent yeah um but i'm sure she didn't have many parenting books in her uh, arsenal in her one room hut yeah but also i just wanted to make sure everyone knows we're not painting andre chikatilo as the victim here oh no 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 he's still a huge piece of shit we're just trying to paint the backstory of like how this could possibly happen how it got so shitty and these shitty things happen to other people who grew up to be incredible fucking people yeah so like it's 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 
it sucks, but it's also what you make of it as, as awful as that sounds. Yes. Um, so later, like the hydrocephalus caused him to be unable to sustain an erection, although he was able to ejaculate. Um, okay. And yep. And that will play a key role throughout this. Um, the amount of times I had to write ejaculate in my notes did not please me. All right, guys, here is the drinking game of the week. Every time Caitlin <laughs> has to say ejaculation, we're going to shot. take a shot. <laughs> and oh. go. Start now. Haley's pre-gaming for her party tonight. Um, yes, I'm going to get wicked drunk later. So here we go. Belligerent. Um, <laughs> so despite all of these troubles, he did really well in school. Um, his teachers loved him. And he was really passionate about reading and memorizing data. And he would study really hard when he was at home to not just like because he enjoyed it, but like to increase his confidence and to work on his nearsightedness so that he could Mm -hmm. see the blackboard when he was in school. Yeah. And also probably Um, to get his mind off of the absolute garbage fest that is his life. Yeah. Yeah, garbage life. And then, like, if you can't see the blackboard, you're going to get bullied even more. So it's like, you're damned if you do. Yeah. Um, But his favorite things to read about were communist literature. All right. And stories about how German prisoners were tortured by their Soviet captors during World War II. So I'm going to just say... um, He was a history buff. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, but also, like, we obviously enjoy doing this podcast, and we have to read about the worst things of, about humanity and stuff. Mm-hmm. And I was always interested in type of uh, dark and horror type things. And, like, that is a thing that, like, oh, yeah. kids, kids kind of get into that. Like, the yeah. right, like, a certain type of child will get into that, and that's not something to be, like terrified about like no there are kids that that are interested in that type of darkness yeah but i was reading the fucking connecticut post crime log at like age eight and depending on who you ask i turned out fine so like no it's not a big yeah this is not the act this is not the be all end all sign that your child is going to commit terrible terrible acts it's just that uh it is kind of compounded. What, yeah, it is kind of what your reaction to it is. Like if you uh, immediately try to take away any of this literature from the child yes. and say like, no, you can't learn about this. Right. Obviously, like um, it's going to make them more interested in it. It's like, oh, this is forbidden. So I want to do it. it. Like if you kind of, I don't know, foster it in a safe Healthy space way. type of way. Like how yeah. does this make you feel? Like uh, what about it? interests you is it the psychological like they don't know how to articulate this type of thing but um yeah i mean i've i'm babysitted a lot in my life and there were a couple babysat baby if you're gonna come for me for my shit i'm coming for you for yours all right fine i've babysat (laughs) uh a bunch of kids and there were some kids that were like interested in like a little bit of like dark stuff like asked to see r-rated movies and stuff like that and like I don't know. It's not, it's not as, I don't know. There's lots of, um, there's lots of articles about like serial killers and stuff where they're like, oh, and they read like, uh, horror novels and blah, 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 blah. And I was like, that's not really like an anecdote you have to note. No. 
It's like a fun fact about yourself that when your teacher is like, go around the room and give us one fun fact, you can tell. But like, yeah. that's pretty much it. And also, like, his father went through some of this stuff. So maybe he's trying to educate himself on something that his father went through. It seems like he might have a better relationship with his father than his mother. Because yeah. his father's not beating him for wetting the bed. As far as you've told me. So, yeah, I don't know. I don't think it's that big of a deal, but I guess it's worth noting if you're going to uh, right. get to the point where he does terrible things. Right. Um, no, I completely agree with you. But so, by the time he reached his teens, Chikatilo was still a good student. Also a huge communist, but oh. given his environment, that's not really a surprise. Okay. And he was incredibly shy. Uh, by the age of 14, he was appointed the editor of his school newspaper. And at 16, he was made the chairman of the Student Communist Party Committee. So, That's two very different club. things. Yep, weird combo. Um, so, because of his previously mentioned issues with his genitalia and <clears throat> ejaculation... Um, take a shot. His first mm -hmm. and only sexual experience during his teenage years came, no pun intended, mm -hmm. when he was 15, and he reportedly jumped on an 11-year-old friend of his sister's and overpowered her and ejaculated immediately during their brief struggle. So here's um, the thing. Okay. Lots, that's pretty fucked up. There's lots like, to unpack here. Th yeah, there's a lot going on. Um, he went for like a little kid, first of all, and got off on her struggling. Two very bad things. Like those don't those don't bode well for little nope. Andre. But what really fucks me up? What like this is this is peak kid right here. Nobody was like that's super fucked up. They bullied him because he came too quickly. Well. Even the little girl was like, seriously? Oh my god. <laughs> like, 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 nobody was like, hmm, red flag. Everyone was like, ha ha ha, he came too early. Like, are we kidding? Wow. All right. Yeah. Well, yeah. All right. Keep going. <laughs> yeah. I don't, I don't, there's nothing to say about that. There, it's just, uh, what can you say? I know. I know. I know. So the bullying continued and he was humiliated. And this humiliation would go on to affect all of his future sexual experiences and his association of sex with violence. No fucking shit. Mm -hmm. So then, although he claimed learning didn't come easily to him because he would have headaches, which is presumably from his poor vision and a shitty memory. He was the only student from his collective farm to actually finish school in 1954. Oh, wow. And he graduated with good grades. Like, he did very well. And despite being a good student, however, um, he passed his entrance exam to Moscow State University and applied for a scholarship and was told that his grades were not good enough to attend, 
though he later speculated it was actually because of his dad's reputation and not his grades that cost him his admittance. That's probably true. Yes. Um, so he was bummed out and then eventually went on to do his required national service in the military, mm-hmm. came home, started a relationship with a young divorcee, and when she figured out that he couldn't get it up, she asked her friends for advice. She was like, what can I do? Do you know of any supplements? Is that guy that's constantly in my junk email actually telling the truth that there's a pill? Was this the the 60s? Because I don't think they had a pill for that. No, I'm being facetious. <laughs> I don't there, think they had email. There's, there's none of that. Yes, there's none of that. Um, and this is like the late 50s, early 60s at this point. Got it. Um, so her friends told their friends... And pretty soon the entire fucking village knew that he couldn't perform. My father would call that a run back and tell. (laughs) He would call that that person an RBT. Oh, thank God. I thought you were going to say my dad. When you said my dad called that, I thought you meant like not being able to perform. And I was like, I don't want to know this side of him. I don't want to know. (laughs) He would call the person that uh, spread the rumor an RBT, a run back and tell. It's like, yeah, that's fair. Andre Chikatilo put his, uh, his comfort on the line to like show this person like, yes, this is a, a a deep, dark secret of mine. And then she just goes and fucking spreads it to the whole community. Well, no, it wasn't really like a deep, dark secret. It just like, for it came up or like i guess it didn't (laughs) and like when you're dating somebody like inevitably like you get to a point where like there's not much else you can do yeah but fuck um so chikatilo later said quote girls were going behind my back whispering that i was impotent i was so ashamed i tried to hang myself my mother and some young neighbors pulled me out of the noose Well, I thought no one would want a shamed man, so I had to run away from there, away from my homeland. So, out of humiliation, he moved to Rodinovo... Oh, this is my Everest. Nesvedayevsky. Okay. Um, I think I got that, which is a town near Rostov. In Thank you. Thank you. Um, He moved there in 1960 and worked as a telephone engineer, and his sister Tatiana moved in with him soon after. She was pretty concerned by his lack of game and set him up with a local girl on a blind date. Her name was Theodosia, not to be confused with Theodosia from Theodosia. Yep, from Hamilton. Um, Theodosia Odacheva, who he married in 1963. And despite his sexual problems, and lack of interest in normal sex. They had two kids and a seemingly normal family life. Interesting. But I gotta make it weird. So, if you're wondering, how'd this dude have kids? Well, allegedly, no. So, he and his wife agreed that she would conceive by him ejaculating into his hands and pushing <laughs> semen inside her oh. vagina with his fingers. Oh. Okay. So like think, they didn't fuck up their turkey baster. I don't think we need to explain baster. this one. <laughs> they didn't wow. fuck up their turkey baster, but like what yeah, a DIY. It was a thing. 
It was, yes, truly like the OG Chip and Joanna Gaines. Oof. So, in 1971, he earned his degree from Rostov Liberal Arts University and began working as a school teacher. So, cool. Mm, mm, I know, it's getting worse. Yeah, we'll see how cool it is in a minute. Because in May 1973, Chikatilo committed his first known sexual assault upon one of his 15-year-old female students. Uh, he swam over to her, grabbed her boobies and her genitals, and ejaculated as she struggled to get out of his grip. I mean, I would say his first sexual assault was that 11-year-old, but I guess yeah. if we're counting it now, sure. As an adult. As an adult. Yeah. Um... I agree with you. I agree with you. 15-year-olds know what they're doing. Um, But so, months later, he sexually assaulted another teenage girl, and this time he just locked her in his classroom. Mm. Um, He was not disciplined for any of these incidents. And when teachers would find him touching himself in the presence of students, they didn't do anything about that either chill yep and so then one of his duties at the school was to check that the students who lived there were in their dorms at night sure let's give him that responsibility let's give him that job forget like parking lot monitor no we're gonna do this yeah um so on multiple occasions he was known to have entered the girls dormitory abruptly without announcing himself in hopes he'd see them naked and, like, just, hmm, like, just, like, busting in, unannounced, on teenage yeah. girls, while they're changing. Who does that sound like? Everybody. Every boy. <laughs> every, every boy, but one boy in particular. One particularly orange boy. Um, so, soon, a string of compliments, or, com- no, no, huh? complaints. <laughs> Um, soon a string of complaints about these sexual assaults on his students forced him to move from school to school before he finally settled at a mining school in Shakti near Rostov. And his teaching career ended in March 1981 after several complaints of child molestation against pupils of both sexes were brought forward against him. And so he immediately took a job then as a supply clerk for a construction materials factory in Rostov. And this job required a lot of travel. So let's give the perv access to even larger of an area. That seems, that seems right. So then naturally, or not exactly, but for him, Chikatilo began practicing murder while he was still working as a teacher in 1978 by preying on young victims that he would meet at train stations and bus depots in and around Rostov. And later, when he got this job, he would do it in other cities that he traveled to for work. Mm -hmm. So his victims mostly consisted, um, at this time, of young, poor kids who had left home by themselves to move to the city. Mm-hmm. They had no friends, they had no contacts, they had not a lot of money, so it was pretty easy for him to lead them into nearby forests with promises of things like 
help or company or offering to show them a shortcut or giving them food and candy and looking at rare stamps and coins and movies and stuff like that. Yeah, it's kind of like perfect victim because they're not really connected to anything. They don't really have any resources. Yeah. Well, that's funny you say that because like after he'd lure them, he would attack them, attempt to rape them and mutilate them with a knife, which we'll get into. But because of their status as being poor and homeless and runaways and everything like that, their disappearances would often go unnoticed. Mm, Yep. So then on December 22nd, 1978, Chikatilo committed his first documented murder. He lured nine-year-old Yelena Zakotnova into an old abandoned house that he had secretly purchased. And as he tried to control the struggling child so he could rape her, he stabbed her three times in the abdomen and ejaculated while doing so. Take a shot. Um, And this pretty much sealed his psychological connection between a violent death and sexual gratification. Uh. So it isn't just like violence and sex now. It's fucking murder and sex yeah murder so sorry i was yawning while i said that no it's okay (laughs) i get it this is boring i i'm with you um geez if only it could get worse then i wouldn't be so bored um don't worry it will so then in an interview after his arrest chikatilo said that immediately after he stabbed zakatnova she had quote said something very hoarsely end quote at which point he strangled her until she was unconscious and threw her body into the nearby Grishevka River, which her body was found two, two days later. Okay. So then a ton of pieces of evidence linked Chikatilo to Zekotnova's murder. Um, there were spots of blood found in the snow near the house where the murder took place. Um her backpack for school had been found on the opposite bank of the river at the end of the street, which indicated that she had been thrown in at this location. Mm-hmm. Um, neighbors said that Chikatilo had been at the house that evening, and another witness told police that she saw a man with Zakatnova at the bus stop where the girl had last been seen alive, and that a man whose description closely resembled Chikatilo was with her. Okay. Um, so he didn't really try to cover his tracks very well. Not yet. Even with all this evidence, though, a 25-year-old man with a previous rape conviction named Alexander Kravchenko was arrested for the murder and confessed, but it was under duress because it was presumed that, like, and we'll get into this a little bit, like, the interrogation was pretty, like, extensive and brutal, and they don't really play by the rules. Like, you know how, like, here it's, like, good cop, bad cop? There it's just, yeah. like, bad cop, worse cop. Yeah. So... And uh, if you're confused about false confessions and stuff, I'm going to recommend again, I did in a previous episode, watch the show on Netflix called... Ex- I think it's Exhibit A? That, yeah. Um, they talk about uh, how different types of evidence can be faulty, and one of them is false confessions which i mean i originally thought like why would you confess to something you didn't do but just to make it like if you watch if you watch that episode it really kind of sheds light on like how they can twist words and like ask the right questions to get an answer that they're expecting or like uh kind of like scare you into something so um yeah if you're confused about false confessions i would watch that 
Yeah. What she said. <laughs> so, anyway. They interrogated this guy, searched his home. They found a sweater. or They called it a jumper, but I'm assuming it's a sweater. Because um, that's what jumpers are called anywhere that's not here. Um, yes. Belonging to his wife. And it had spots of blood on it. And the blood type was determined to match both Kravchenko's wife and Zakatnova. And so despite this and an airtight alibi, which also the alibi. So he was with his wife and a friend of theirs, like a female friend of theirs. And they later changed this alibi after being intimidated by the police. Hmm. Um, so he was tried for Zakatnova's murder in 1979 and executed by firing squad in 1970 and 1984. Jesus. Yeah. Very sad. And especially like, remember this happened in 1984. That's again, like super tragic. Yeah. So then meanwhile, there were no documented murders committed by Chikatilo for another three years, presumably because like you had asked earlier, like he came too close to getting caught or, because of the continuous allegations against him during his teaching career, because they kept mounting. Yeah. Um, and so did he. No. Um, so then on September 3rd, 1981, Chikatilo murdered his next victim, 17-year-old. It is. It yes. is. It's the I didn't even think about that. Yeah. <gasps> That's crazy. Okay. R.I.P. Larissa. Let's see. You want to do math real quick? So it's 2019. So Larissa died in 81. So that's 38 years. Does that sound right? I'm going to go with yes. Sure. All right, don't go with me because I'm terrible at math. Some anyway. math genius is yelling at us right now. Go on. Um, so 17-year-old Larissa Tkachenko, T-K-A. I don't know. I've heard many ways. Um... She was a student at a local boarding school, and like with his previous victim, he lured her to a forest near the Don River with the invitation of drinking vodka and, quote, relaxing. Don't want to know. Don't want to know what that was supposed to mean. I just... Mm. Weird. Weird. So then, obviously, this wasn't the case, because once they got to, like, a more hidden location... He immediately ripped off her clothes and tried to rape her. And then he strangled, beat, and gagged her with mud and leaves to prevent her from yelling. Mm. And this brutal force made Chikatilo, get it ready, ejaculate. <sighs> How many shots in it are we now? Like six? Um, so because Chikatilo didn't have his knife, he didn't stab her no instead he mutilated the body with a stick and his teeth oh god which included him ripping off one of her nipples with his no. teeth no yes yep yep so then he covered her with leaves branches and torn pe pieces of newspaper and her body was found the next day nippleless okay. so then nine months later on June 12, 1982, Chikatilo took a bus to the Bagayevsky district of Rostov to buy some groceries. But 
he had to change buses in the village of Donskoy and decided to continue his trip by walking instead. And while mm-hmm. leaving the bus station, he met a 13-year-old girl named Lyubov Biryuk. I'm not sure about that one. Who was walking home from a shopping trip. And when the road they were walking on became more secluded by bushes, Chikatilo attacked and dragged her into a nearby brush. Or into the nearby brush, not like a hairbrush. And tore her dress off and stabbed her to death. And when her body was found over two weeks later, on June 27th, the medical examiner determined that she was stabbed 22 times in the head, neck, chest, and pelvic regions, Mm. and her eye sockets had been mutilated. Mm. So pathologists concluded that these injuries had been caused by a knife, which led investigators to the conclusion that the killer had gouged out the eyes of his victim, which would eventually be discovered as being part of Chikatilo's MO. Mm. Um, Okay. Other wounds found on the skull suggested that her killer had attacked her from behind with both the handle and the blade of the knife. Okay. Um, so then after her murder, I, I'm terrible at this, Biryuk's murder, um, Chikatilo, like, according to him, he stopped resisting his homicidal urges. So... He claimed that he was resisting them in the past, but he's also killed a few people at this point. So, like... Yeah. Okay. Whatever. He's back. Yeah, apparently. So, I, I mean, I guess technically, yeah, because between July and September 1982, he killed five more victims between the ages of 9 and 18 years old. Mm. And one of these victims was a 10-year-old girl named Olga Stamachenuk. Stamachenuk? I'm sure. not sure. So then, December 11th, 1982, Chikatilo met Olga while she was riding a bus to her parents' home in Novoshaktinsk, and he persuaded her to leave the bus with him, somehow. I don't know. I don't know what he said. Mm. Um, She was last seen by a fellow passenger who later told the police that a middle-aged man matching Chikatilo's description had led the girl away by hand. Mm. Chikatilo brought her to a cornfield on the outskirts of town and stabbed her over 50 times in the head and body, and then ripped open her chest and disemboweled her. Unnecessary. Quite a bit of overkill. I mean, the whole thing is unnecessary, but... Yeah. Mm, wow. He's, he's, going, he's going in. So then, like I mentioned earlier, most of his victims had their eye sockets mutilated. Many of them were also disemboweled, and initially, he just focused on kids and teenagers, but eventually his type also expanded into adult victims. Mm-hmm. So his child and adolescent victims were male and female, but his adult victims were solely female. And they were okay. often prostitutes or homeless women. Again, people that weren't going to be missed, just like with his kids. Yeah. Or those kids, not his kids. Um, and like with the kids, he would lure these women into secluded areas But instead of, like, candy or stamps or, like, kid shit, he would do so with the promise of alcohol or money. Yeah. So he would then typically attempt to have sex with these victims. But even on the rare occasion that he could get it up, he couldn't usually keep it up. So this would cause him to spiral into, like, a massive murderous temper tantrum. Yeah. And this was 
particularly bad if his victim made fun of his little problem. Yeah. Which, like, honestly, whoever, like, you probably know you're going to die at this point. And you still are like, you know what my last act is going to be while I'm alive? I'm going to make, make fun of this dude's feel dick. Like shit. Yeah. Make, make fun of his dick because that's the thing he's sensitive about. I love yes. it. I love it. Like, fighting back is, is physically is great. Fighting back with your words, also excellent. So, he would only achieve orgasm when he stabbed his victims to death. I'm sorry, he would only ejaculate when he stabbed his victims to mm-hmm. death. Um, and he usually overpowered his younger victims when they were alone and would often tie their hands behind their backs with a length of rope before stuffing mud or dirt or leaves and stuff like that into the victim's mouths to silence their screams, and then he would proceed to kill them. So after each murder was committed, he would then make rudimentary, but like not really sincere, if that makes sense, efforts to conceal the body before leaving the crime scene. So he'd be like, all right, like there's some leaves over there. I'll just like put it over. But it wasn't like he was genuinely trying to hide the bodies because he wasn't digging ditches or anything like that. Yeah. So because all of these victims were suffering from similar mutilations, the police soon became aware that there was a serial killer active in the area. However, Chikatilo was able to evade detection for many years because he had, he, how do I put this? He committed his crimes in such a way that they would exploit the weaknesses of society in the Soviet Union. Um, Interesting. Okay. Like, at this time, it's still the 80s, so, like, serial killers were a virtually unknown phenomenon in the Soviet Union. And this was either because, like, there's... Because as as we've all seen Mindhunter, the U.S. has known about serial killers for, like, a while at this point. So there's, like, a big... Oh, I think ahead. we mentioned in like the the Ted Bundy episode that that's when they were they first started really putting it together like the profile right. of a serial killer and that was in like the seventies sixties seventies yeah you're right I'm dumb um, but so then I have no concept of time I'm just gonna put that out there like zero concept um, so it's either because of like the big cultural differences and how we were kind of like em- enemies 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 at that point. Um, but it also could have been because of a suppression of information because the Soviet kept like everything. Yeah. They kept everything locked up tight. So evidence of serial killing or child abuse was often suppressed by the media because it was controlled by the state. So regardless, the eye mutilation was a distinct enough MO to link multiple cases together, at which Mm -hmm. point the Soviet authorities finally had to admit that, like, they had a serial killer on their hands. Like, yep. it was becoming too obvious. Yeah, that's... Meanwhile... It's, it's okay. too... It's too specific of a thing for yes. it to be multiple different people. Yes. But... That's just how the authorities felt. Remember, these are... This is a pretty... Like... There's not a lot of access to education. The media is under the state's thumb. So, like, there's not a lot... That civilians knew about. Yes, and, exactly. Like in general and with this case. Mm-hmm. So they suspected that the deaths were explained by much more believable theories, such as foreign plots and werewolf attacks. Okay. Yep. 
So yeah, that's that's much more plausible mm-hmm. than one person is killing a lot of people. Michael J. Fox is just going ham. Yeah. So then public fear and interest grew despite any lack of media coverage. People were still like, oh, my God, did you hear about this? Yeah. So it wasn't until January 1983 when the authorities concluded that there was a possibility that four victims of Chikatilo's were linked. And so then Moscow detective Major Mikhail Fedosov was sent to Rostov to take over the investigation and it later became the investigation later became known amongst investigators as Operation Forest Path. Mm-hmm. And that's when things really started to take a turn. Um, he immediately recognized that it was the work of a serial killer. He established a team of 10 investigators based in Rostov and basically was like, you guys are in charge of solving all four of these cases. OK, so then in March, he appointed a specialist forensic analyst named Viktor Burakov as the head of the investigation investigation in the Shakti area. That's another place where, like we mentioned before, that he had killed. Mm-hmm. Um, and the next month, Stamachenok's body was found after examiners and investigators, t- or and after investigators and examiners and everybody took a look at the body. Burakov later stated that he saw that her eye sockets were mutilated and basically any doubt that there was a serial killer was quashed. Like they were like, all right, yeah, it's, it's the, it's the same dude over and over again. Yeah. Um, so based on the nature of these killings, police theorized that they had been conducted by either a group harvesting organs to sell for transplants or the work of a satanic cult. Uh huh. So the investigation focused on known sex offenders, homosexuals, and those suffering from mental illnesses because this is still the 80s and things are still problematic. Yeah, it's got to be somebody that has a definite problem. But the interrogation methods of the local police were so, I guess I should say intimidating, that... They regularly got false confessions from prisoners. Like, they got, like, a shit ton of false confessions from, like, mentally ill and, like, developmentally disabled people. Yeah, if you're bullying somebody into a confession and then getting a bunch of false confessions, it's not, like, helping your investigation at all. Right. And they're also, like, manipulating these people who aren't, they don't have the wherewithal on top yeah, of it. Exactly. Um, so obviously, like, this made Burakov skeptical of the majority of these so-called confessions. So despite the initial quick progress, the investigation slowed down, especially when, at that stage, not all of the victims' bodies had been discovered. So the true body count was unknown to the police. So, like, they're moving, like, there's six bodies, when actually there's, like, a lot more. Yeah. Um, so with each body that was discovered, though, um... Forensic evidence grew, and the police were able to determine that the killer had an AB blood type based on semen samples collected from crime scenes. Mm -hmm. And these samples, uh, there were also samples of gray hair, and it was, like, all determined to be from the same person. Those were also found. Um, So then Chikatilo didn't kill again until June 1983, when he murdered a 15-year-old Armenian girl named Laura Sarkeesian. And her body was found near an unmarked railway platform near Shakti. And by September, he killed another five victims. And as the bodies continued to pile up and the similarities between the wounds inflicted on the victims became more prevalent, 
Soviet authorities were forced to acknowledge that a serial killer was on the loose, and on September 6, 1983, the public prosecutor of the USSR formally linked six of the murders to the same killer. Mm. So now they're like, it's so bad that they have to let the public know. Yeah. So then on October 30th, 1983, um, the disemboweled body of a 19-year-old prostitute named Vera Shevkun, who'd been killed three days prior, was found in Shakti. And Mm. although the mutilations inflicted on Shevkun's body otherwise matched the ones found on the other victims, her eyes had been untouched. And two months later, on December 27th, a 14-year-old boy named Sergei Markov was lured off a train and murdered at a rural station near Novocherkask. And Mm. Markov was stabbed 70 times he's he's like a he's like a school boy like this really like stabbed 70 times in the neck and upper torso and he Mm. was emasculated now multiple sources say that chikatilo's male victims were emasculated okay multiple sources also give different definitions as to what this means interesting so based on my research this could either mean that these victims were castrated. That's what that, I originally thought it was. Yeah. That's what I thought. And I really, I really do think that it was castrated based on like other, other victims who he did castrate, which we'll get okay. into. Um, but it could also mean that they were sodomized and given that he had a thing for the rape, mm, that also, that makes could sense also, too. that could also make sense. Yeah. Um, so I'm not sure. If you happen to know these things, you go for it. You tell us. Let us know. But yeah, so I anytime I use emasculated here, I try to like make these notes my own. Yeah. But like certain words like emasculated when I can't find like, okay, but what are they actually talking about? Yeah, exactly. Like and let's break it down for myself so yeah. that I can understand it. Yeah, this one is not one of those things. Um so Markov was stabbed, emasculated, and then disemboweled. Yeah. In January and February 1984, Chikatilo killed two women in Aviators Park in Rostov. On March 24th, he lured a little 10-year-old boy named Dmitry Tashnikov? P-T. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Like, is it P-T? Like, Ptolemy? Or is it know. just... Ta- is the P silent? I, and again... Got multiple pronunciations of that. So I was like, all right, here we go. So he lured him from a stamp kiosk in Nova Shaktinsk. I hate myself. And while walking with the boy, Chikatilo was seen by several witnesses who were able to give investigators a detailed description. And Mm -hmm. when Dimitri's body was found three days later, police also found a man's footprint and both semen and saliva samples on the victim's clothing. Mm, okay. So then on May 25th, Chikatilo killed a young woman who he had known for several years named Tatiana Petrosian. And this like really fucked me up because like not only did he know her for several years, but like she has the same fucking name as his sister. That's what I was thinking too. Yeah. Like That's weird. Come the fuck on. Like and it wasn't like, "Oh, like he didn't know. Like he fucking knew." Yeah, yeah. And he also killed her 10-year-old daughter, Svetlana. Um, He killed them in a wooded area outside Shakti. 
And by the end of July, he had killed three more women between the ages of 19 and 21, as well as a 13-year-old boy. Mm, okay. So then in the summer of 1984, Chikatilo was fired from his job as a supply clerk because he was accused of stealing. Um, the accusation had been filed against him the prior February. And initially they were like, hey, like, if you just like resign, like, we're not going to do anything about this. But he refused and said that he didn't do it. Okay. This was dumb of him. Yeah. Because then they were like, well, then we're going to fill out a police report. Mm-hmm. Chikatilo eventually found another job as a supply clerk in Rostov on August 1st. And then on August 2nd, he killed again in Aviators Park to celebrate. Great. This time, the victim was a 16-year-old named Natalia Golosovskaya. Golosovskaya. Okay. And... Less than a week later, on August 7th, he lured a 17-year-old girl named Lyudmila Alexeyeva to the banks on the Don River, saying that he was going to show her a shortcut to the bus depot. Okay. And Chikatilo stabbed Alexeyeva 39 times before mutilating and disemboweling her, but also intentionally inflicting wounds that he knew would not be fatal immediately. Oh, Jesus. Yes. Her body was found the next morning, and her severed upper lip was found inside her mouth. Uh. Yeah. Yeah. Um, hours after he murdered Alexeyeva, he flew to the Uzbekistan capital of Tashkent on a business trip. And by the time he got back to Rostov on August 15th, he had killed an unidentified woman and a 10-year-old girl. Um, two weeks later, Alexander Chappelle, a 11-year-old boy, an 11-year-old boy, was found um, on the banks of the Don River, just yards from where Alexeyeva's been, body had been. Yeah. And this kid had been strangled, castrated, and his eyes were gouged out. Ugh. Chikatilo then killed a young librarian named Irina Luchinskaya in Aviators Park on September 6th. In response mm. to this new increased influx of victims discovered in 1984 uh police efforts were drastically increased like i had said earlier like they were acting like it was only six victims well now we're like now we're now we're really getting a lot of people yeah so they increased their efforts and mounted a massive surveillance operation that canvassed most local transport hubs and on september 13th 1984 chikatilo was watched by two undercover cops while he was talking to some young women at the Rostov bus station. Mm -hmm. And the detectives followed him all over the city while he tried to approach women and at certain points was publicly masturbating and fondling himself while watching other women. Mm. And by the time he got to the city's central market, he was arrested and searched, at which point the police found a knife with an eight-inch blade, several lengths of rope, and a jar of Vaseline. The cool. unholy trinity. So then, after running a background check, police found that he was already under investigation for that theft at his old job that they filed yeah. the report over. So they were able to hold him. And it was then discovered that he was a perfect match for the description of the man seen walking with Tashnikov before he was killed. Uh-huh. And they took a blood sample, and the results determined that Chikatilo was type A blood type which didn't match the semen samples found that the medical examiner said was type AB. Interesting, so, okay. 
we'll get we'll get to that because that's this this is like insane so despite the fact that this revelation made the chances of him being the killer improbable Chikatilo's name was added to the investigation's list of suspects and he was found guilty of the the theft from his previous employer and sentenced mm-hmm. to one year in prison okay soon after on october 8th 1984 the head of the russian public prosecutor's office formally linked 23 of the murders and dropped all charges against the mentally ill and disabled people who had previously confessed because of all those shady tactics that the cops were using yeah so chikatilo meanwhile was released after serving three months on december 12 1984 at which point he decided to lay low and began working at a locomotive factory in the Novochurskask area. Mm-hmm. And that mindset stuck, and he never killed again, and the end. No. Um, <laughs> I was going to say, I was like, mm, that doesn't check out. <laughs> no. Um, I, I wish it was like that fucking easy. So while on a business trip in Moscow on August 1st, 1985, he met an 18-year-old woman named Natalia Poklostova at a railway platform near Domodovo Airport mm-hmm. and lured her into a thicket where she was tied up and stabbed 38 times before being strangled to death. Investigators theorized that the, the killer, when they found, when they found her body, um, they theorized that the killer had traveled from Rostov to Moscow via airplane. So they checked all flight records of passengers who had commuted between Moscow and the Rostov area between late July and early August, which would have been great, except for this particular trip, Chikatilo decided to take the train. Ugh. So guess who they didn't find? Yeah. Chikatilo. So then he killed another young woman, Irina Guleyeva, in Shakti four weeks later on August 27th. So, like, they're really trying. Like, the cops are, like, really... No, he just keeps, like, flying he just under the radar. Yeah. And so then, in November 1985, a special attorney, like... I tried to find, like, a good translation for, like, what it actually is. And I guess it's, like, their version of a DA, basically. Okay. Um, and I could be totally wrong about that. Um, their na- Her name was... <sighs> Issa, or their name, because I couldn't figure out if they were a man or a woman. None of my notes would tell me that. Um, Issa Kostoyev was appointed to supervise the investigation, which had at that point grown to include 15 officers and 29 detectives assigned to work exclusively on searching for this killer. Um, At the same time, undercover female officers patrolled train stations to try to catch him, like, try to get him in the act. And Dr. Alexander Bukhanovsky a psychiatrist was brought on board to develop a profile, which was the first consultation of its kind in a serial killer investigation in the USSR. Wow. Yeah. Um, so Bukhanovsky did his little criminal mind shit and produced a 65 page psychological profile. In the profile, he described the killer as a reclusive man of average intelligence between the ages of 45 and 50 years old who had endured a painful and isolated childhood and was incapable of flirting or having a relationship with women. Damn! Like, they, yeah, I they love, got him. Yeah, I love hearing about the, the profiling of, of, uh, of, like, a serial killer because yeah. they usually nail it. It's so, like, you have no idea. It's There's crazy. More. There's more. It gets so much, like, more specific. I was like, holy shit. The killer was most likely to be married with children, but was also an impotent sadist 
who was only sexually aroused when he saw his victim suffer. That's nuts. And then this I found really interesting and it makes sense, but it was just like, I don't know why I didn't think of this before. The murders themselves were basically seen as sex by the killer with the knife serving as a penis since his did not function normally. Yeah, I, can, I could see that being yeah. a connection. Yeah. Whether um, he understands that that right. is what's happening or not. like Exactly. It's like a subconscious type thing. Right. So because a lot of these murders occurred on weekdays near mass transport hubs, um, and it was all pretty much localized to the Rostov region, Bukhanovsky also argued that the individual had to travel a lot for work. And based on the actual days when the murders took place, he was most likely adhering to some kind of a production schedule. Huh. All right. Right? Like, oh, God, this guy's amazing. So then Chikatilo got his shit together and kept his urges at bay while following the investigation carefully. He would read newspaper reports about the search for the killer because they finally started to appear in the media. And for almost a year after the murder of Guleyeva, no more victims with mutilations matching the killer's MO were found. Um, hmm. The investigators did tentatively link the murder of a 33-year-old woman named Lyubov Golovaka, who was found okay. stabbed to death in the Mayasnikovsky district of Rostov on July 23rd, 1986, to the investigation. Um but this was just based on the killer's semen type matching that of Chikatilo's and that the woman had been stripped naked prior to her murder and stabbed over 20 times. So she hadn't been disembowelled. She hadn't been dismembered. She hadn't been disemboweled. She hadn't been like mutilated. Like her eyes were intact. Yeah. And she had not been seen near mass transportation prior to her murder. Right. So, because of these discrepancies, many investigators expressed serious doubts that Golovaka's murder had been committed by the killer they were looking for. On they, August 18th... They, well, but they couldn't think that, like, the killer had thought that somebody was onto them and switched up the ammo because they didn't want to get caught? Hey, do me a favor. Can you do me fuck a favor? Off. Yeah, please. Okay. Please, please. Um, like, just shut the fuck up. So then on August 18th, 1986, the body of 18-year-old secretary Irina Pogoryolova was found buried on the grounds of a collective farm in the city of Batayisk. Batayisk? B-A-T-A-Y-S-K? I don't know. We're going to lose all of our, like, Russian and Ukrainian listeners. Like, I can feel it. Um, so we're her trying, body, people. We're really trying. I'm so sorry. Like, I feel terrible. Like, I, too, loved Alexi in Stranger Things. Like, believe me, no one wants to get this right more than me. So, Irina's body had all the trademark mutilations of the pre previous victims. Like, her eyes had been cut out. Her body had been slit open from the neck to her genitals. Um, one of her breasts had been removed. Like, it, it all kind of lined up. And as the murderer had made a more serious effort to bury the body... Some of the investigators theorized that this explained the sudden decline in the number of victims found. And by all, the by like fall of 1986, investigators in Rostov theorized that the killer may have moved to another part of the Soviet Union and continued his killing spree there. 
So they had like multiple theories that those were two of them. And then another one was that because three of the victims were killed in the Rostov region in 1985 and 1986, and they all died in August. Some Mm -hmm. investigators believed that the perpetrator may have actually relocated to another part of the Soviet Union and only returned to the Rostov region in the summer. Okay. So the Rostov police sent out bulletins to all forces in the Soviet Union described his mo included the profile um requested any feedback from any police forces that had discovered m- victims who were murdered in a similar way um but nothing turned up in actuality chikatilo was really just laying low mm-hmm. um in 1987 he killed three more times with each murder occurring while he was on a business trip far away from the rostov area um none of these murders were initially linked to the investigation in rostov the first murder in 1987 was committed on May 16th, my brother Timmy's birthday. Um, and he encountered, I don't know why, like, I felt like I needed to mention it. I know that's not really celebratory, but, like, also I need to acknowledge him. Um, we just like to, to bring up date connections. Yes, 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 yes. So then Chikatilo encountered a 12-year-old boy named Oleg Makarankov at a train station in the Earl's town of Revda and lured him from the station with the promise of sharing a meal with him at his house. Creepy. The kid was, yeah, he was murdered in the woods by, like, right near the station, and his body would not be found until 1991. Oh my god. Yes. In July, he killed a 12-year-old boy named Ivan Bilovetsky in the Ukrainian city of Zaporizhia. And on September 15th, he killed a 16-year-old vocational school student named Yuri Tereshanok in the woods on the outskirts of Leningrad. In 1988, Chikatilo killed another three times. His first victim was an unidentified woman who he had lured off a train at Krasny Sulin before he tied her hands behind her back, stuffed her mouth with dirt, severed her nose from her face, and stabbed her multiple times in the neck. He then bludgeoned her to death with a slab of concrete. So her body was found on April 6th, and investigators saw the knife wounds were similar to those inflicted on other victims. Mm -hmm. But because the woman had been killed with the slab of concrete and she hadn't been disemboweled, they weren't really sure if the murder was linked to the investigation. So the next month, he killed a nine-year-old boy named Alexei Voronko in... Ilovaisk, Ukraine, and the boy's wounds fit the MO, and the murder was linked to the investigation, and a few months later, on July 14th, Chikatilo killed 15-year-old Yevgeny Muratov at Donleskov's station near Shakti. And Muratov's murder was also linked to the investigation, even Mm -hmm. though his body wasn't found until April 1989, and even though his remains were pretty much, like, skeletal at that point when they found him, his autopsy revealed that he had been emasculated and suffered at least 30 knife wounds. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Chikatilo did not kill again until March 1st, 1989. Um, he then murdered a 16-year-old girl in his daughter's vacant apartment. Because remember, he's got a fucking family. Yeah. So like literally kills a girl in his kid's apartment. Ouch. Yeah. He dismembered her body and hid her remains in a sewer. And because the victim had been dismembered, the police did not link her murder to the investigation. Mm, okay. 
Between May and August, Chikatilo killed another four victims, three of whom were killed in Rostov and Shakti, and only two of which were linked to the investigation. And because the majority of these victims' bodies had been discovered near train stations, investigators assigned a ton of, like, plainclothes undercover cops to discreetly film and photograph passengers on trains throughout the Rostov region. Several trains were also fitted with hidden cameras so that they could, like, film or photograph the victims while they were, like, in the company of the murderer in an attempt to, like, figure out who he was. So then on January 14th, 1990, Chikatilo met an 11-year-old named Andrei Kravchenko standing outside a Shakti theater. And Kravchenko was lured from the theater on the pretext of being told, being shown imported Western films that he claimed Chikatilo claimed to have at his house. And Kravchenko's stabbed, emasculated body was found in a secluded area of the woods the following month. Seven weeks after Kravchenko's murder, on March 7th, Chikatilo lured a 10-year-old boy named Yaroslav Makarov from a Rostov train station, and he lured him to the Rostov Botanical Gardens, mm-hmm. and his disemboweled body was found the next day. I feel like he's killed about 940 people so far. Oh, we'll, we'll get to, like, a body count. It's just insane. Because he gets charged for each one. Yeah, good. Um, on March 11th, the leaders of the investigation, headed by Fedosov, left uh, or held a meeting to discuss progress made in the investigation. And Fedosov was under a lot of pressure from like the media and the public and the Ministry of the Interior in Moscow. And the intensity of the investigation in the years up to 1984 had kind of like declined a bit between like 85 and 87 because of that like lack of victims but then by march 1990 when six more victims had been linked to the killer it was picking back up again and in addition after the introduction of greater media freedom as a result of glasnost which from my research was when mikhail gorbachev declared that like basically everybody was now allowed to openly discuss like social political and economic issues yeah um so once that happened, the Soviet news media was not as repressed as it had been, like, in the beginning of the investigation, and therefore, like, they extensively covered the case. Yeah. Because it's huge fucking news. So then Chikatilo killed another three victims by August 1990. On April 4th, he lured a 31-year-old woman named Lyubov Zuyeva off a train and killed her in the woods near Donlaskov Station. Her body was found four uh, months later, not four months later, but like many months later on August 24th. And then on July 28th, he lured a 13-year-old boy named Viktor Petrov away from a Rostov train station and killed him in the botanical gardens. Mm. And then on August 14th, he killed an 11-year-old boy named Ivan Fulman in the reeds near the Novocherkask beach. Mm-hmm. So homeboy's starting to lose it again. And like... It's just, it's really, it's not going well. And in the ever so he's eloquent He's killing words, everything that moves. He's killing everything that moves. And as Bella Hadid said, homeboy's gonna, like, get it. So, the discovery of more victims sparked a massive police operation. Because a bunch of victims' bodies had been found at railroad stations, um, and they were all on one route through the Rostov region, 
Viktor Burakov suggested a plan to fill all the larger stations in the area with, like, an obvious, like, uniformed, like, blatant, huge police presence so that the killer could not help but notice and would be discouraged from attempting to attack anybody at these locations. Yeah. Therefore, he would go to the smaller stations with fewer traffic, and those were assigned to be covered by plainclothes, like, undercover cops. Okay, interesting tactic. Yes. So the plan was approved, and both the uniformed and undercover officers were instructed to question any adult man in the company of a young woman or child, and to note his name and passport number when they did. Interesting. Okay. Yes. So this operation was implemented on October 27, 1990, and the police deployed 36, 360, excuse me, not 36, at all of the stations in the Rostov area, but only undercover officers were stationed at the three smallest stations on the route through the, like, area where the killer had struck most frequently in an effort to force him out and force him to strike at one of those three locations. So on October 30th, police found the body of 16-year-old Vadim Gromov at Donleskaz Station. Um, he had been strangled, stabbed 27 times, and castrated. Also, his left eye had been stabbed, and the tip of his tongue, tongue had been severed. Ugh. Yeah, this is getting very hard. Um, he had been killed on October 17th, 10 days before the start of the initiative. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So the same day Gromov's body was found, Chikatilo lured another 16-year-old boy, Viktor Tyshenko, off a train at Kirpachnaya Station, um, which was one of the stations under surveillance by the undercover cops, and he killed him in a nearby forest. Tyshenko's body was then found on November 3rd, and it was determined that he'd been stabbed about tw- 40 times. Oof. Not 20, 40. Um so then, on November 6, 1990, Chikatilo killed and mutilated a 22-year-old woman named Svetlana Korostik in, a, in like a wooded area near Donleska Station. And when he got back to the railway platform, he was spotted by an undercover officer named Igor Rybakov, who watched Chikatilo go up and like, like to a well and wash his face and his hands. And then when he went over to the station, Rybakov also noticed that Chikatilo had a small red smear on his cheek and that his coat had dirt and grass stains on the elbows. And mm. he appeared to have some kind of a severe wound on one of his fingers. Nice Rybakov- spotting. Yeah. Yeah. Rybakov stopped Chikatilo, checked his papers, but had no formal reason to arrest him. Ugh. Yes. So then when Rebekah returned to his office, he filed a report like just that's that was routine. That was what you did. Yeah. And it included the name of the person he stopped at the station and the possible blood smear observed on his cheek. And that's fucking it. Can you feel my fury through the microphone? Yeah, I feel like this happens in like a couple of uh, of like heavy hitter cases like they're so yeah. close to being especially like like Dahmer when yeah. the uh the guy gets loose from his apartment and then the police just return him to Dahmer's custody because they were uncomfortable talking about uh somebody in a gay relationship yeah like so all of this see in this case all of this could have been stopped 
if somebody at one of the schools that he worked at in the beginning had said like, hey, this guy's really fucked up. Let's, right. Uh, Do something about it. Let's get this guy away from society for a minute. Yes. Yes. But now, scores but now. of people are dead. Yes. Yes. Oh, you have no idea. Um, so, Karostik's body was found a week later on November 13th. That made her the 36th victim linked to the investigation. Linked to the investigation. So there yes. were more. The yeah. one that they knew of, yes. So police summoned the officer in charge of surveillance at Don Luska's station and examined the reports of all of the men stopped and questioned in the past week. And not only did Chikatilo's name appear among those reports, but several officers recognized it because he had been questioned back in 1984 and they put him on that suspect list. Yeah. That's, so then, that, that reminds me of uh, Bundy, too. Yeah. That he was yeah. on the list of 200 Ted's that it could have been at the Lake Sammamish uh, kidnappings. Exactly. So the police checked, like, with his present and previous employers, and they were able to place Chikatilo in multiple towns and cities at the times when several victims linked to the investigation had been murdered. And then they went to his former teaching colleagues, at which point they learned about... I'm sure they had a lot of great shit to say about him. Right? They learned all about, like, his sexual behavior towards the students, and that pretty much sealed the deal. So they placed Chikatilo under surveillance the following day, and on November 20th, after six days of surveillance, Chikatilo left his house with a large jar, which he had filled with beer at a small kiosk in a local park before he wandered around Novocherkask. And while he was, like, going there, he, like, to where he was going. I, I'm dumb, man. Like, shut up. Um, he basically just, everywhere he went, like, was trying to talk to kids on the way. Um, a creeper. Yeah. So then after leaving a cafe, Chikatilo was arrested by, poor, by four plainclothes police officers. So then after Fucking he was arrested. Finally. I know, right? Um, so many, so many, like, close calls and misses, like, finally. So then, when he was arrested, Chikatilo gave a statement claiming that the police were mistaken and complained that he had also been arrested in 1984 for the same series of murders and had been let go. So, a strip search revealed that, like, remember that, that wound on the finger? Yeah. Um, medical examiners determined that it was from a bite from a human being. Police also found numerous signs of a ferocious struggle between Tyshenko and his murderer at the crime scene. And although the finger bone, like, that had been bitten, it was later found that the bone was broken and the fingernail had been completely bitten off. Gross. Chikatilo, I know, Chikatilo did not seek medical treatment. Yeah, no shit, because he didn't want to get fucking caught. Exactly. So... Then they searched his belongings and found that he had a folding knife and two lengths of rope. They took a sample of his blood and he was put in a cell inside the KGB headquarters in Rostov with a police informant who was instructed to engage him in conversation and get anything he could out of him. So the next day on November 21st, they began to formally question Chikatilo and the police led him to believe that he was a very sick individual in need of medical help in hopes that he would think that if he confessed, he would not be prosecuted by reason of insanity. All right. Police knew that the case was pretty much circumstantial, 
and under Soviet law, therefore, they had 10 days in which they could legally hold him before either charging him or releasing him. So it's a race against the clock. Yeah. And throughout the questioning, Chikatilo kept denying that he had committed the murders. Um, He did confess to molesting his students while working as a teacher, though. And these interrogation tactics also may have caused Chikatilo to go on the defense. Um, The informant that was in the cell with him told the police that Chikatilo told him that Kostoyev had repeatedly asked him direct questions regarding the mutilations, like, inflicted on the victims. Yeah. Meanwhile, the results of Chikatilo's blood test revealed that his blood type was type A and not type AB. Mm-hmm. But due to the amount of physical and circumstantial evidence that the investigators had compiled at that point, which indicated Chikatilo was the murderer, um, they they knew that they had deduced the blood type from semen samples obtained on clothing and bodies of the victims, not actual blood samples. So they obtained a sample of Chikatilo's semen. That's right. They had him ejaculate and one last time one last time just pour one out and they were able to confirm that his semen was type a b whereas his blood and saliva were type a weird right weird and that's also the only thing that kept him from getting caught that first time yeah exactly yeah like super crazy so then, on November 29th, at the request of Burakov and Fedosov, Dr. Bukhanovsky was invited to assist in questioning Chikatilo. I love this man. Within two hours, he had Chikatilo sobbing and confessing that he was guilty. <laughs> like, I love this man. Perfect. So, they, like, Kostoyev had a bunch of handwritten notes that Bukhanovsky prepared and prepared and... She prepared, they prepared, I don't know, a formal accusation of murder that night, which was literally the day before that 10-day time period was up. Like, Down photo to the finish. goddamn wire. Yes, ma'am. So then the next morning, Kostoyev resumed the interrogation, and according to the official protocol, Chikatilo confessed to 34 of the 36 murders that police had linked him to. He did deny... Two of the murders committed in 1986 that they had initially believed he committed. One was Lyubov Golovaka, who had been found stabbed to death on July 23rd, 1986, and who they had had, like, those doubts about linking to the investigation. And the second was 18-year-old Irina Pogoryelova, who was found murdered in Batysk on August 18th, 1986, and whose mutilations closely matched Chikatilo's M.O. All right. So he gave a full detailed description of each murder on the list of charges. All of them were consistent with both known and unknown facts on each of the murders. And when prompted, he was even able to draw rough sketches of various crime scenes, indicating like the position of the body and various landmarks like nearby and other details that proved his guilt um, one victim on the list of charges was 19-year-old student named Anna Lemesheva, who Chikatilo killed on July 19th, 1984, near Shakti Station. Uh-huh. And Chikatilo recalled that as he fought to overpower her, she stated that a man named Bars, which translates to leopard in English, uh-huh. would retaliate for him attacking her. 
Lemesheva's fiance had the nickname Bars tattooed on his hand. Interesting. Yes. So then, when describing his victims, Chikatilo falsely referred to them as de classe elements, who he would lure to secluded areas before killing. And in many instances, particularly though not exclusively with his male victims, Chikatilo said that he would tie their hands behind their back and then kill them. Okay. So he'd, he'd typically inflict a ton of knife wounds upon the victim, just stab him a bunch. Um, initially, they would be shallow, um, like near the chest area, and then he would stab them deeper, like, you know what I mean? Um, to yeah. the point that it would be like 30 to 50 stab wounds total before he would disembowel the victim at which point he would writhe atop his or her body until he ejaculated. Fun. Yeah. He said he became really good at avoiding spurts of blood from his victims' bodies as he inflicted the knife wounds and disemboweled them. And he would regularly stay by his victims' sides until their hearts had stopped beating, adding that their, quote, cries, the blood, and the agony gave me relaxation and a certain pleasure, end quote. Sickest puppy. So then when they questioned why most of his later victims had been stabbed and their eyes had not been mutilated, Chikatilo said that he initially believed in an old Russian superstition that the image of a murderer is left imprinted on the eyes of the victim. But then he said in later years, he became convinced it was simply an old wives tale. So he stopped doing it. Oh, all right. But um, so we're going to stop here. Because we're already at an hour and a half. Um, so this and there's is so going much to be, more. Yeah, there's so much more. So there's going to be, this is part one, and then there's going to be a short part two that we'll release probably probably next week, maybe later in the week. I don't know. I don't know. We'll see how we feel. Yeah. But um, so, yeah. So we will get back to Chickatillo. Don't you yes. fear. And yeah, I guess we'll, do we have anything to add? Uh, just once again, if you want to leave us a review for this month, screenshot it, send it to us with your mailing address, and we'll send you a button. Yes, um, ma'am. Crimeculturepodcast.tumblr.com. You can go there and find all the information, all the links and everything that you want. You can go mm-hmm. to our, all of our social media, our Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Uh, you can everything. listen to us everywhere. You can listen on Podcoin. Podcoin, make money while you're listening to podcasts. Yes, or you can do use that. that money to donate to favorite causes. It's just, it's dope. It's cool. It's fun. Yes, you can uh, subscribe to our Patreon. Yes. And there's different tiers, different rewards for every tier. So yep. uh, and s- check that out. And speaking of rewards, don't forget that thing we told you about in the beginning where if you write us a review and you send us proof... You get the reward in the form of a button. That's true. So, and, um, there was one other thing I want to say. Oh, yeah. For <laughs> Patreon subscribers, for um, a certain tier, you are in a poll to um, vote on an episode that's going to come out yes. the next month. So, yes. And wasn't this a poll winner? This, this was a poll winner. Yes. But... Um, our subscribers are going to be ready for the poll for October, but because we are doing two episodes a week in October, we are not uh, having, we are not having a poll. Right. Um, 
we hope that the two episodes a week will uh, suffice, suffice enough. Oh, look at us. Ooh, <laughs> yes. I love that. Um, but uh, yeah, October is not something we can like play around with. Like we need to know what episodes are coming out on what days because people are going away and we have to pre-record a bunch of stuff. And it's it's a lot of work and a lot of research. It is not to be with. Yeah. So we've been working on that for quite some time. So there's no poll for the month of October. So just getting Sorry, that out there to our it. Patreons, yeah, Patreon, patrons, Patreon subscribers, whatever they're called. Yes. Uh, whatever you want to be. Whatever you want to be. But anyway, so that is this week, and we will see you next Tuesday. Yeah, we will. Okay, bye. 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 bye.